Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at an epic European finals weekend as La Rochelle upset the odds to beat Leinster and lift the Champions Cup for the first time. Then we'll be chatting to Gloucester's Freddie Clark ahead of the final round of the Premiership season and we'll cover the URC finals as well. Plus, we'll be chatting to former Scotland international Nathan Hines about his up-and-coming challenge. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed to Spotify. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com. Slash Simmons. Jim, are you on the mend, mate? What's what's the latest? A million dollars. I feel a million dollars. Not that that in the current market is a huge amount, but it's a lot, and I'm feeling great. I'll be honest. I am. I'm back. The rest of the weekend, as much as I would have loved to have gone to Marseille, like our good friend Andrew Good, who is literally got one eye open. <laughs> I know that it was not the right thing to do for my recovery. What was good for my recovery? was going to the west coast of Scotland, swimming with brown trout, grabbing them with me hands, the kids whipping jellyfish out of the, the ocean like they're wild children, and saying, Dad, have you ever gutted and cooked a fish? And I said, the one from Marks and Spencer's, yes, but not a wild one. So that was good for the soul. Big shout out to Archie over on the island of Ling. Fantastic spot for a bit of an R&R. &R. Not that I need R&R &R because it's the business end of the season, but as we know, an operation last week and it just needed to, a bit more time and my goodness mate compared to my partner in crime I'm gonna say I'll probably feel a billion dollars <laughs> so thank you very much I feel good I feel energized and I missed it <laughs> apart from watching it on tv I missed the hysteria now you probably want to go on Andy Road to my partner in crime I did mention Marseille I did mention that when I went over there to interview Ebenezer Beth in Toulon via Marseille, that it was a shithole. I saw the images coming out of the airport madness. I don't want to blame Marseille as a city. I'm just Marseille as a whole. But there's part of me that's gutted I wasn't there. And I got a text message off my partner in crime for a third time at 4 a.m. And at that point, wow. when I woke up at 7 o'clock in the morning, I was like, thank fuck. I am just, <laughs> as he is going to bed, I'm just waking up. As in, like, that's what happened, and I feel amazing for it. So I'm going to say a billion dollars. Thank you very much, Andy Rowe. <laughs> I've got a question to ask you, though, Jim, before we get into what happened to me at the weekend. The thyroid comes out, and I was thinking about this over the weekend, right? 
I remember the pictures of you when you used to play for Leicester and then you were at Edinburgh and you were... Massive. A big rig, yeah. Yeah, and then Graves' disease kicked in later in life in your career. So you had an overactive thyroid, right? You used to struggle to hold your weight and you lost a lot of muscle mass because of the disease, right? And then you have the thyroid out. Now, my thyroid is clearly underactive, therefore I put a lot of weight on. So if you haven't got one, does that mean you put even more weight on? Because if it's underactive, you're piling on the weight like myself even though I didn't eat any food for about three days in France. Drank a hell of a lot of Heineken, though. Heineken silver, so good. Two days later, not so good for the throat, but it was just amazing. Now you've had your thyroid out, are you going to put on about 15 stone or what? Because I hope you do. All I'm saying, them bras you used four years ago, <laughs> send them up. Send them up. I don't know what size they are. I don't know whether you can mention sizes or not. I'm going to mention them. A double C, send them up. And that thing that used to, it was what was it? It was like a, a band that used to just hold them up so they weren't down by your belly button send that up as well i thought that was the heart rate monitor no, well they said that that's what it was to you because they didn't want to hurt your feelings <laughs> back then because you were the mainstay at fly half so that band that suit i might need it soon but i'm i'm looking forward to putting on a bit of weight my hair's going to grow back and my voice is back i can't shout i tried to shout at the kids at the weekend a bit i mean <laughs> bet was melting she thought it was bradley cooper again so she was melting when i shouted at the kids she was like do more tell them off again so yeah hopefully i put on a bit of weight not like yours andrew but my goodness me you look like you're feeling sorry for yourself yeah well just rewinding the clock mine started on wednesday and that's where it all went really well and then started to go very badly wrong for me so wednesday afternoon we hosted uh, a little event for spotify at the podcast show on stage jim we missed you mm. genuinely or not we, well, no, because I was sat next to Gorgeous Chris, so yeah. Gorgeous Chris was there. He filled in for you to talk about the business aspects of it, but hey, sitting next to him, I don't want to sit next to him again. He's too good looking. If anyone's going to fill in for me, I'm happy for Gorgeous Chris, owner of the podcast. <laughs> I'm happy for him to fill in. He could sell me a pencil, and I believe him, so he looks a million dollars. He's one of them where it's like, you want him to come around for dinner, but you don't want him anywhere near your wife, Like as in you don't. like You, you, you don't, so... Gorgeous Chris, I'm happy for you to stand in for me, mate. Was it good though? Yeah, it was very good. We we're chatting with Spotify and you know talking about our story of, of how the podcast started and evolved and where we got to. So that was great, and people were really engaged with it, I think. And then I went to the RPA dinner on Wednesday night, and because I was on a bit of a high, I'd been on stage, I'd spoken about how great our life has been and since back in the day when we first started the podcast, where we had about ten pints responsibly and then started talking about rugby. To now how professional we are. And then I went the other way on Wednesday night. It was at the RPA dinner. And I went back to the old days. I had about 10 pints. There's some good lads on my table. And told the missus I'll be back for half 11. Rolled in at about 2 o'clock in the morning. So that was the doghouse Thursday morning. And then Friday, I'm like, I'm off to Marseille. My goodness me, what a weekend. You can hear it in my voice. That's got nothing to do with the Heineken. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you can hear it in my voice. I've had three days in France. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And... My voice hasn't come back yet. And I thought with pouring Heineken silver down your throat and drinking relentlessly, it's meant to wet the whistle. It's meant to soothe the throat as it goes down. Oh no, it's like I am swallowing razor blades right now. And I, I don't know what why that is. Well, I can tell you, if you've had 35, if you've had 35 Heineken silvers, and I'm sure they were absolutely delicious, and I am slightly jealous. But if you're washing them down, basically with a whole camel, like a real-life camel, like that size camel worth of nicotine, it probably <laughs> is constituting to that kind of the sharpness around that throat area. No, it was the vape, mate. It was the vape. But yeah, unbelievable weekend. Started on Friday, 
as a European rugby ambassador. So I hosted a few Q&As with Sean O'Brien. Big shout out to him. Jeez, he can put it away as well. Sunny Naupu as well, the Irish Rugby Ladies International. She was good fun. Flip van der Merwe was there as well, Jim. He, sent, he says to say hello. He sends his best. Mate, enjoy that bloke. Enjoyed a drink with him after the famous Eben Etzebeth mauling in Nelspruit. And what do you do after that? After you lose, you go out and celebrate. He told me about it. He said, oh, there was one time I that we absolutely smashed Scotland. I don't even know who Jim Hamilton was, but all I know is, is after the game... Is he from Pakistan or not? <laughs> I thought he was South African. <laughs> he said, listen, after the game, he came into this nightclub and he's got a bottle of tequila. And he said, hello, I'm Jim Hamilton. I played today. He said, and Flip said to you, apparently, I don't remember who you are, but let's drink my brew. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he said it was after the epic incident with Elizabeth where you got filled in or he filled you in or you filled him in. But he wanted to say hello to you, James. So, um, yeah, he was good fun. Hello, Flip. What hell of a name, though, eh? Imagine that. A big old boy, eh? Flippity Flippy's big. <laughs> yeah, he's putting Heineken down him like it's just water. His brother's called Flap, you know. No shit. <laughs> flip and flap. But yeah, shout out to, to Flip. And then that was Friday night. We've hit Friday pretty hard, gone to bed around... I reckon it was about three on Friday. Amongst friends, give us the time. Like, you can't say around three, six, you mean? No, Friday was about three, genuine, because we had to work all day Saturday as well. And I say work. I told the missus it's work. She ain't happy. She thinks it was a monster piss-up, which it was. But if you technically, if you're getting paid to do something, that's work, right? You're speaking to the converted. That is graft, <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> so Saturday, we've got up Saturday. We've gone down to the fan zone, uh, sweating. I mean, sweating out. It was about 32 degrees, and... The Heineken from the night before was coming out of my pores. I've not eaten any breakfast. You know, when you're a bit dusty, I thought, oh, I'll get some food at the ground or something. I ended up not really eating all weekend, but just consuming copious amounts of Schmeinikens. And it was unbelievable. Saturday, we get to the ground. I've had a few sherbs in me, and I'm interviewing Emile on Tamak in French. God knows what he was saying, but I'd written out some questions in French. So I asked him a few of them. And he's like, Andy, we can do this in English. I said, no, 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 we've got to do it in French for all the fans. I was asking him about uh, various bits and bobs in French around French rugby. I'd asked him about the picture of his son, Emile, and Tamak that I put on social media in his white see-through shorts. Elva, who does he take after? I don't know. But it got better. So obviously we watched the game. We'll talk about the game in a bit. But I've got to have a massive shout out to a few people here. I ended up drinking with a lot of the referees. So Saturday at the game, the Friday night referees were Luke Pearce, Gorgeous Frank Murphy was on the touchline. Andrew Brace was on the other touch. And Ian Tempest was the TMO. Those boys were just on the piss at the game on Saturday. And you know what? I ended up having a beer. You ain't going to believe this. Mike Adamson. That's all right, though. I thought you were going to say the French. I thought you were going to say a French ref. I was going to be like, I don't believe you. But Mike Adamson, I can believe that. Decent bloke. Well, it was. They all, they all listen to the podcast, or some of them say they do. A lot of them say they don't. But anyway. The worst one, French ref walks over. Do you remember I'm commentating earlier in the season, extra against Munster, and the fellow walks yep. on with, with Das Boots. He's got his walking boots on, the referee. And I'm like, what has he got on his flippers, on his feet? He walks over and all the lads are like, Das Boots, Das Boots. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me the filthiest look I've ever seen in my life. So I don't think he was happy. But I was um, yeah, drinking with a few of the, the refs over the weekend. Got to give a shout out. Andrew Brace, legend of a bloke. Frank Murphy claims he's not had his hair or his teeth done. He has thrown a lot of money at himself. I mean, you can be in denial. It's like it's like Michael Jackson saying he didn't have any work done. Frank Murphy, you are in that same mold. If you're telling us you've had no work done, then he, he, Billy Jean, up my lover. Yeah. Mike Adamson had a beer with him. Do you know what? They're all good blokes. And I'm, I'm, I'm changing my tune on referees. I'm not the French ones because they're, they're shocking. But 
Luke Pierce was there as well. Barnsley. Barnsley was the only one to bring his wife. Yeah, I don't think he has a choice about that from what I'm seeing and hearing. I think it's yeah. one of them where it's like he's told what he's he's told and he has to do what he has to do and, and that's yeah. part of it, I think. Polly is definitely the boss anyway. But I'm going to give a shout out to referees. I think they're undervalued. They might be underpaid. They go through a hell of a lot. I was chatting to them. So they're away from home a ridiculous amount of time. We, we only see, and we're bad on air for it, Jim. We judge a referee just on the weekend on his performance. What about the breakdown? What about his, this decision? They're away a shitload from home, right? So they have a really tough gig. I don't think they're remunerated enough. I think they deserve centrally contracting from World Rugby. Who's been telling you what to say, Goody? Something <laughs> smells fishy here. He wants a job as a TMO. Basically, I think I got the job for TMO Andy. I got offered a, a gig on Saturday to become a TMO. And I don't know whether it was serious because there was probably about 25 Heinekens have been drunk responsibly by then. Tony Spreadbury, who's head of referees for European Rugby, he was there. I think the lads won it, boys. I said the biscuit tin would get absolutely fucking hammered. So... The expenses for biscuits to go through the roof. But I generally think, speaking to them over the weekend, they are undervalued. They understand they've got to take the rough of the smooths. We've got to give them a bit of stick if they get things wrong. They'd expect that. But they need to be centrally contracted by World Rugby and given licence to improve themselves. Although they did say they're off to Dubai on a bit of a jolly next week slash fitness testing. So Oh, hard life. Yeah. So yeah, hang so. on, you're not, you're not selling it to the masses that they're having a hard life. But what you are selling is basically you feel guilty for you slash us rinsing them every week and you want them to get paid more money so we can carry on rinsing them. Exactly. There you go. And I think they did want me to sort them out a table at Nobu as well when they go to Dubai. So um, yeah, good shout out. Good boys, all of them actually. Even Mike Adamson. Let's turn our attention to the field then. Leinster, they were massive favourites. No one was picking La Rochelle to do it. How did they? Well, an apology I think first and we've given a few on here. Did we see that come in? No. We had Leinster... I say comfortable. I think I had 12. Goody, I think you had 13. Or it could have been the other way around. The bookies had Leinster by 12. And on face value, what we've seen the game before in the semi-final, didn't see it coming. And that is how you go and win it, though. If you're going to go and win a final, right, and if you're going to go and give absolutely everything you've got in the biggest game of your life, and let's not forget, La Rochelle have been there before, that's how you go and do it. That is a team that went out there to win, not to lose. And I know you hear that saying all the time. Watch it if you don't know what I mean. And I'm talking about bodies on the line, which happens. We know they're going to do that every week. It's a final. But the way in which they did it, they got off the line. They were spot tackling. They were doing stuff that Leinster had never experienced before, apart from the semi-final the year before. But it was still very different to that. And I think this is the thing around La Rochelle's evolution, which maybe we paid a bit of lip service to, and I did touch on it last week, is that they've been there before, right? They've been in a final, as Leinster have, but they know the feeling. So it's not a one-off for them. It wasn't a one-off for La Rochelle being in that final. It wasn't a fluke. They fully deserve to be there. And the way that they're coached, Will Skelton's influence, and again, the experiences that they had last year, gave them that performance at the weekend. And we'll talk about the coach, and I'm sure Ronan O'Gara, what an absolute legend he is as a bloke, as a player, and obviously as a coach. But I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming in the way that it happened, how brave they were up to the very end not to go for the penalty and to keep going and going and going. And when they weren't scoring, and it kept going back for the penalties at the end, I know we're talking about that micro part of the game. There was so much more that happened. You could see and you could feel they were going to score. You could feel it coming. 
because they were getting over the gain line, the power, the power they brought off the bench, how well Will Scanton was playing, Aldrete as well at all game. What a fantastic player. But the question mark over Leinster, has it been too comfortable up until that point? We, we can't, it's not a rhetorical question, or maybe it is a rhetorical question. I don't even know what a rhetorical question is. But <laughs> all you have to do is tip your slipper to La Rochelle and, and what they've done. And the other point away from that as well, it's what I said. You walk down the street, La Rochelle who? People would be saying that before. I tell you what, you walk around in La Rochelle and there ain't anyone. They're all down the port. Every single man, woman, kid, dog, everything, living existence was at that port. I've I've not seen scenes like that. Goody, I can't remember if you have in terms of teams coming out and we see it in football. It looked bigger than that. It was absolutely mental. So from my standpoint, I'm sorry. No one gives a fuck what I think anyway. I mean, it's all about La Rochelle. It's all about what Ron Nogar has done. And that, not that my love of rugby is dying, but there's a lot of shit going on at the minute, right? There's a lot of bad press going around rugby. I looked at the scenes. I followed some of the La Rochelle lads, best mates now, aren't we? Messaging Will Scout and looking at the celebrations, not just of the players, been involved in that. Goody, we've been involved in that. You know, Leicester, back in the day, big fan base. Saracens, back in the day, not a huge fan base. Looking at La Rochelle and what that has done to unite that town is absolutely phenomenal. And that is the power of sport and the power of rugby. So, big shout out to La Rochelle. That is how you go and win a game of rugby. Yeah, it certainly is. And looking back at the game, and when you... I mean, I didn't see much of it, obviously. Uh, It's so much easier watching it on TV as well. Getting the replays, hearing the comms, all that stuff. You're not 15... Well, maybe you are 15... Heineken deep responsibly, but a couple of things like Leinster were 18 10 up, and you start looking back on what people have said. And from that point, at 18 10 up with 25 minutes to go, you're just thinking they're going to kick on and, and it's done and dusted, right? Ron Nogara said something after the game, and I'll come back to Roger in a minute in an interview. He said he knew that Leinster score a lot of their points in the first half early on, and he said La Rochelle score the majority of their points in the last 20 minutes. Now, if you were looking and talking about two teams before the game, in terms of the size, the fitness levels, you'd expect Leinster to be the fitter and better team in the last 20 minutes, right? La Rochelle found it within themselves from somewhere, God knows where, to come out with an unbelievable performance at the death. The 18-10 down, other French teams might have folded. You saw what happened to Toulouse in the semi-final. It was ridiculously comfortable for Leinster. La Rochelle, led by Big Willie Skelton, just manhandling people left, right and centre. Defensively, obviously, the credit, a lot of that goes to Rog, and he said it after the game around what he'd seen. And I remember talking about, do you remember when I spoke about Leinster playing against Connacht and how comfortable they were, ball in hand, and everyone can handle and the shapes that they put on. He said he saw that, he saw that game, and he saw the Leicester game, where they were just playing out the back, and it was wave after wave. And he said, how do you stop that? And he worked out a way of blitzing up on the outside, being physical. And listen, it's turned into a, a, a huge man's game, isn't it? Like the more physical team won that game at the weekend by, you know, I've never seen Leinster players sort of be so static, going to the line, ball in hand. And if you've got no momentum, you're not getting through that defence. And then when you are trying to put the ball out the back, there was errors that they had less time on the ball because La Rochelle were frenetic in defence. It was unbelievable to watch in terms of a top attacking team being nullified by a team that worked ridiculously hard defensively for each other, which is a trait that French teams don't have. 
when you're talking about French teams, you don't necessarily think that that's something. It's changing the national team because of Sean Edwards. It's obviously drip feeding down through the likes of O'Gara and it would have meant a huge amount to him. And the best thing that happened to me, I'll tell you now, the best thing that happened to me on Saturday, second half of the Champions Cup final, I am sat in the President's Suite and to my right is the La Rochelle coaching box. And you can see how passionate O'Gara is. So as Arthur Etier, and I've got to give a massive apology to Arthur Etier. Do you remember in the semi-final when he came on at scrum half? I'm like, what's he doing? They've got a winger playing scrum half who can kind of not really play scrum half. He couldn't pass it. You know, he was just crazy when he came off the bench against Racing when Kerbalo broke his hand, as Dr. Jim said. He scored the winner in the Champions Cup final. They spent a good 15 minutes trying to break the, the barrier, the picking goose, absolutely everything, throwing everything at Leinster. And it took the guy that we gave a bit of stick to, or I gave a bit of stick to the other week, who looked a bit shocking at nine. Maybe they were just going pick and goo because he can't pass it from the base. But what he did do is he found the moment to win them the bloody game. And as he scored the try, I saw I looked over to O'Gara because I loved watching his passion throughout the second half and how much he was getting into it and shouting and screaming. He's got to remember that he probably needs his microphone on to shout down to his pitch side assistants because he was just screaming, trying to think they can, can hear him from up in the stands which I found hilarious. But we got we caught an eye contact with each other and I went over to him. It was 10 yards away. Eye contact. They'd scored the try. Ehio West was just paying out the time for the conversions. They knew they'd won the game. I went over to him and I high-fived him and gave him a hug. And he came over, like he broke away from all the La Rochelle coaches, came over to me and, and gave me a high-five and a hug. And I was absolutely steaming. So, um, Rog, you are an absolute ledge. I got all tingly from it. I bet you did. Shared his moment. So um, it was unbelievable. And La Rochelle, imagine the scenes at the port, how good that is. You saw Liverpool do it yesterday and they only won two cups on penalties. You saw Man City do it the week before. All that pales into insignificance compared to the scenes in La Rochelle. It was unbelievable to see and they fully deserved it. What do you make of the yellow card? Silly. It was Jim Hamilton all over, wasn't it? <laughs> I've never tripped a man. I've never tripped a fellow human. Apart from Tarek, when he spat on my sister at school, he got tripped up and he got the right bomb and he got a few wires in his jaw as well. But apart from that, I ain't tripped another human being. I mean, that's one of them. It's, you ain't getting away with shit these days. Nothing. Yeah. And initially I thought Jameson Gibson Park dived, but then I saw the biscuit so far in the dirt, I was like, yeah, that's not a mechanism of diving. And they obviously went back and the TMO checked. And, but that's the thing though, isn't it? So Thomas Laveau gets simbined with 17 minutes to go. Now, obviously, Ross Byrne kicks the penalty. They go 21-17 up at that point, don't they? But for the next 16 minutes after that penalty from Ross Byrne, they were taking the scrum opportunity when they had seven forwards on the field. So they knew that they had the power and the belief within themselves, even when Laveau's in the bin. like They weren't even bothered that their big second row's not there. It was a ridiculous trip. Obviously, a yellow card. But it just goes to show, you know, your back's against the wall and then your second row does that. Your backs are even further against the wall and they've found it within themselves. God knows how to pick and go for about 16 minutes and come away with a victory. It was amazing. It's one of them, Goody, when you're on it, right? And we've been in games before where 1 to 15, 1 to 14, if you're a man down, 1 to 13. I've played a game against Gloucester with 13 men before. Scott Britt's got sent off for stamping on Nick Wood. And no, let's just blame Kelly Brown. I think he went off as well. But <laughs> when you're on, right, you're on. And you could see initially from the minute the whistle blew or the second the whistle blew that La Rochelle were on. And I know it's an obvious statement. It's the Champions Cup final. Well, 
Like the Friday night, no one was on, was it? We can come on to that. The semi-final against Racing, La Rochelle, that was a dog game as well. And my point being, you know when a team's on and it doesn't matter if you've got 15, 14, 13 or 12. They were just on, weren't they? From the way that they were tackling, the way they were getting off the line, the way the line-out functioned, how dominant they were at the scrum time. There was desperation at the breakdown to slow Leinster's ball down. And then the last plays of the game where they were picking and going and you could just see it happening. You could just see Leinster on the ropes. The only thing that was a little bit frustrating for me from the game, really, from a La Rochelle perspective is I talked Bottier up like you wouldn't believe. We've, we've spoken about him on here, haven't we, a lot, Jim? My favourite player. I was just like, please, can Bottier score the winner? Then I know my onions, right? I talked about him loads and he came on, got close to a couple of pick and goes, but then obviously Retier gets the winner. It was, it was fabulous, really was. The atmosphere in that stadium was something else as well. Well, we can have a chat now with former Leinster and Scotland second row and Jim's doppelganger, Nathan Hines, joins us. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks, gents. How are we? Very good. Just wanted to, to show you. Can you see that? Oh, God, that is a good-looking man. Who is that? Full head of hair. Um, this is actually a Christmas present from a boss, Simon Wayne, who listened to me moan incessantly that everyone thought that I was you. So he thought it would be a good idea to get me a present of a T-shirt with you on it. And you're wearing it proudly. You're wearing it very proudly. Yeah, I do. I wear it to my, I wear it to bed. Um, my missus likes it. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Yeah. Don't say that. Don't say that. Okay, Becky likes you as well, Wago. Okay, no beard. She likes no beard. Does he know the story of when we were in France in 2007? Have I told you the one before where I'm chatting to that bloke in the bar in Saint Etienne because I'm a man of the people, right? And it was a midweek. We landed in France. Thought, get out there with the masses chatting to them. This guy is chewing me ear off. Let's just call him Angus McWallace. He's chewing me ear off for about an hour, <laughs> telling me about the demise of Scotland rugby, how shit they've been. He was even agreeing with me, saying how bad the backs were. And he said, but the second rows, he's like, it's good that we found a decent second row. He said, because the others are absolutely awful. He said, that one that you play with is shocking. I was like, well, I wouldn't say he's shocking. He's an Aussie. Oh, I didn't realise he was an Aussie. I thought he was English. I was like, he's, he's a good player. Like, he can't you know, he can't jump in the line out apart from at the front, but he can offload a lot. He's like, yeah, yeah, that guy. I was like, yeah, all right. And then he puts his hand out. He's like, have a good one, Nathan. Good luck this season. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the thing is, is that when I was in that, that game at Euro in Cardiff, I was on the train on the way back, going to the toilet, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, how you doing, mate? Yeah, really good. And said, um, you keep, I said, mate, look, I'm busting the toilet. He goes, yeah, get in the way back, Jim. I said, mate, Hopefully you've recognised who I am by the time you come back because I'm not Jim. But the worst one is when I go up to Edinburgh and they, everyone asks me for your photo and they go, can we get a photo? And I go, yeah, yeah, sure, no worries. And then, thanks very much, Mr. Hamilton. Well, mate. How times have changed. Times have changed. And, like, it's good that I'm on the, on the pod because people will realise that we're not the same person. But not only that, I think Good is the only person who's played more clubs than me as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to be on. We're going to talk about this cycle. And, by the way, I've seen Goody in Lycra. It looks horrendous. I look horrendous. <laughs> you don't look much better. I don't think anyone looks good in Lycra. But we've got to ask you about your Leinster perspective. I read your article that you did last week and we've been chatting about the game. But from your standpoint, having played at the club and knowing some of the guys, what's your evaluation of that game? I was going to say a humping. It weren't a humping. I mean, it was obviously bloody close, but it feels like they got well beaten, even though that Larochelle scored in the last play. Yeah, I think it's disappointing. You look at their first try, Leinster is so good. And they just got beaten by a mismatch when just all they needed was one person to fold. Like, that's just not Leinster, is it, really? So you don't know what what they're thinking going into, whether the pressure got to them or their favourites. But um, to be 
trialless in a, in a final, especially with the attacking you know, form that they've got. It's it's disappointing, really, isn't it, for them more than anybody else? But you know, Rogers been a hand in there, played a massive hand in the downfall, which I'm sure he'll be happy with. He was, he was. He hugged me after the game, just absolutely loving life. But um, it was there, do you reckon, from inside the Leinster camp, that have been a few nods to Rog and, and understanding how much he'd have wanted to win that game? And, you know, would they not have been a, a, of expecting that kind of physicality and that kind of blitz defence on the outside that they showed? Because Rog is a tactician, right? So it was built up as Rog versus Johnny, the player on the field against the coach off it. And it was, I'm sure the Leinster boys must have spoken about that, right? Yeah, 100%. Leo and, and Roger got some history as well. And and obviously when I choked him in, in Six Nations game, we've, but, you know, that's a different story and totally false, by the way. They would have known that Roger's got history and there's a, there's more of an edge to for La Rochelle to play against Leinster in the final because of all the years that, that have gone before. That it's, it's probably the best club game I've been involved with in my years of rugby, Leinster-Munster. So... And like you said, he's a tactician. He knows how to unpick or try to unpick all the experiences he had playing against Leinster before. So, I mean, if there's anyone that's better placed to form a strategy against Leinster, I don't know if there is. Roger's probably the, the best person to do it. And what about La Rochelle? And you would have seen the scenes. I don't know how much time you spend on social media. I'm about seven hours. But for you, looking at them scenes, and it's absolute carnage, having played at Perpignan and Clermont, what does the ability of winning something like that due to a town like La Rochelle? I mean, when you look at them as well, they've done it the right way. They've built an academy. They've, they've come through from the, lower, from the lower divisions and they're trying to foster their own talent. So for them to come from where they have, in that was eight years, I think, they weren't in the, in the top 14, to being champions of Europe. You know, for a small town, it's quite, the whole town turns up and it'd be a massive shot in the arm for the players for the region and just a little bit of validation for the, the way they've gone about building their their club. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you've had loads of clubs. Obviously, you've played in the Premiership as well. You're going to loads of clubs on this monster cycle ride you're doing for Gallagher. Uh, just give us a quick snippet on how sore the Gooch is going to be and how much training you've done. You're basically going through every Premiership club in the build-up to the Premiership final in a couple of weeks. And, I mean, a hell of an effort to start off with. If I think to cycling to the top of my road on, that's too much. But you're going... From Newcastle all the way around, every Premiership club all the way to Twickenham. What are you thinking? No, I don't know what I was thinking, to be fair. And I'm the idiot who's trying to organise it as well. So I said I'll organise it, which is probably harder than um, than cycling it. So I'm actually looking forward to getting getting on the, in the you know in the saddle on the, on the 11th of June. But yeah, we'll ride down. We can, we won't go through all the all the London clubs. We're just going to go from Newbury to Twickenham, just because it's a bit you know a bit funny going through London. But as former players, like I know you, like you're talking to Shane Williams a couple of weeks weeks ago, Jim. But we just need a challenge, don't we? So you know, Will Johnson's in. Um, Paul Wally's doing a couple of legs. Um, Me, going to do a couple of legs. Johnny R and Will Hurrell, like ex ex players. And we're going to cycle with Wooden Spoon and pass through all the clubs. And with the clubs have a day leg as well. So each rider that that rides in their day leg, obviously you're going to be riding goody because I know you're at Leicester for the semi-final right so I will be yes yeah, that night you could ride the day and we're, we're actually passed through on the Sunday so it's convenient okay oh possibly <laughs> get the full lycra on yeah so we're, we're riding for Wooden Spoon and the core riders and the day riders are ride for their own clubs foundation so then everyone gets a, a little bit of funding if we can so there's still spaces to to ride and I've got a code for pod listeners if they right like to ride normally it's 50 pounds to register but We'll give you a code so you can ride for free just for pod listeners. Spaces are limited, obviously, with Goody coming along. Everyone's going to... I know, Jim, you can't because you're uh, 
your operation, but yeah, I, I just really can't. But Goody definitely can because I've asked him about cycling. He's had his ankle fused, so he can't wear the cleats. He has to have, you know, that shitty net thing at the front of your pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even got that, Jim. Have you not? <laughs> no. It's like the old BMX. We've got Louis Rolf, who um, won gold in uh, the Rio Paralympics. So, you know, he's going to do the whole lot, I'm sure. You know, Goody can, can manage a day. What do you reckon, Jimbo? I reckon he's got two. I reckon he's got two or three. Hey, like he said, he'll, he'll find a way of doing it. He's done three days in Marseille. That's harder. And then on the the eve of the Premiership final, it's from Newbury to Twickenham. I know that Goody, you'll be hanging around Twickenham as well. So you could do that <laughs> leg as well. What do you reckon? But you know what? The eve of the final, I'm being inducted into the Premiership Hall of Fame. So I'm going to you know. be there. So that's even better. So we'll ride from from Newbury to Twickenham. Get you there for the for the induction. Wagger, I'm not, mate. I'm not going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. That could be the one. Yeah, but I'm, we're really excited about raising money for Wooden Spoon and, and doing something for rugby. You know, Gallagher, you know, support the Prem and, and obviously I'm involved and we just want to make sure that we can look after rugby, the foundations, the, the charities and, and everyone can, can get out and, and be part of it really. How do people get involved and what's the code that you were talking about for the rugby pod listeners? So the code will be GRTT22POD. So GRTT22POD. And there, there'll be a link. It's ajg.com forward slash UK forward slash the dash road dash to that Twickenham. But so, but we'll put a link up. And if you can't ride and you, then there's a just giving page for for me and for Jack Clifford and the other riders. So they raise money for Wooden Spoon to continue to to do you know the work they do in the community with use of rugby at the at the core of it. So yeah, Jim said he's loaded at the minute. So because he can't do the ride, he says he's going to donate loads of money for. Well, hundred percent, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. A couple of grand, no doubt, Jim. Eh? I I am a generous man, um, and I'm happy to sign a Scotland ball that would be worth a shitload of money <laughs> and send it down, like wherever you are. Um, the, the good thing as well, like um, Thrifty have chucked in the cars for the support. Big shout out to Thrifty. Yeah, because with Dotty stuff and all the rugby things, they they put their hand up and help out. So we need um. We'll need support to put Goody in the back of the back of the van when he's conked out after three miles. So that'll be thrifty. Come to the rescue. All right, Nathan. Thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. And best of luck on that ride. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. See you, Goody, on the on Sunday and Friday. Quadruple XL. Have you got that? Hundred percent, mate. 100%. I knew you'd say yes, so I've planned it already. <laughs> Cheers, Wagger. See you later, gents. Cheers, mate. Good luck. Top lad. Yeah, he is. Goody, you, your generosity to charity and to the causes genuinely just blows my mind. If you give five grand, I'll do both legs. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So if I give five grand, will you do all of it or not? If you donate £5,000 and I see it go through as a true transaction, not a bullshit screenshot that some people can do, I'll do two legs. If you do all of it, I'll donate five grand. Don't put it back on me. I can't. I've got a job, mate. I'm working. I've got to see the kids. I've not seen the kids in three days because I've been in Marseille and my voice isn't working, so... But, I've, mate, I've got four kids to feed and I've called you, called you bold numerous times, so we could get cancelled here and that five grand I might need. But if you do the full goo, I will donate five goos. Have a think. Just sit on that. But anyway, listeners and viewers, get behind them. Obviously, a great cause, Wooden Spoon is been synonymous with rugby for many years and uh yeah a bunch of good lads doing it as well and hopefully a few ladies will join as well well before we move on to the challenge cup final josh van der Fleer, the right choice for european player of the year lads yes based across the whole 
spectrum of games. If you were to pick one game, you'd say Will Skelton. But him across the board, we've spoken about him before. Yeah. And they normally get it right, don't they? Normally, the European Player of the Year is normally right, isn't it? You know what I mean? Some awards you get and you'd be like, hang on. But generally, that one's right. And in my opinion, my humble opinion, absolutely. I completely agree with Jim, but Jim, why be an horrible saying that he gave one of the crucial penalties away towards the end of the game? I ain't putting names <laughs> to that. You did though, and it is, and he did. But yeah, it was It was basically, I think it was going to be between him and Aldrit. And it was actually, you know what, it was actually nice. Sometimes they just give it to, like Jim said, someone from the winning team because it just makes sense, right? And But Josh van der Fleer was head and shoulders above most other players in every round, I'd say of the Heineken Champions Cup this year and he was week in, week out, unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, fully deserved. Well, let's go to the Challenge Cup final then. It wasn't the best game, but Leon took it by the scruff of the neck eventually, didn't they? Well, you said it there. And again, oh, bit harsh. Me tweet. I said it was rubbish. Shocking. I think I might have used. I put it to you, Andrew. I said the next day, albeit you're a bit dusty and maybe the clarity wasn't quite there. I was like, how hot is it? You just came back saying very hot and that ain't enough hot for me to think that that game should have been played like that. So was it worse on the Friday night than it was on the Saturday in the day? Yeah, it was more humid on the Friday night. And on the Saturday in the day, it was I didn't think it was as bad. There was a bit of wind in the stadium, which made it cooler. But Friday night, it was a bit more humid. And there was loads of errors. It's one of them. And Leon got absolutely hosed a few weeks back by Toulon in Leon. So everyone thought that Toulon would just rock up. They obviously dusted Saracens a couple of weeks ago in the semi-final. You think back to the World Cup when England beat New Zealand and then didn't turn up for the final the week after. Toulon didn't turn up at all. I was getting frustrated. When you've got one of the best players in the world in Cheslin Colby on the wing, there's a few snippets in the first half, right? Parise's got the ball. He's got Cheslin Colby outside him. He's dominated and gone inside himself. Just give Colby the ball. Colby ends up hitting loads of rocks. They, they just weren't at it, were they? And you've got to credit Leon. You know, it was pretty turgid at times. Leon, but looking back at the game, Leon had about three or four tries that they could have scored, should have scored, didn't score, weren't looked at by the TMO. You know, obviously, Nini Ashvili, just before halftime, puts his foot on the dead ball line. How good was he, by the way? Yeah, ridiculous. It was way more comfortable than even the scoreline suggested. And I tell you how bad the game was, and I don't know whether this is a, a kind of slight on myself or the game, but we've gone on at half-time, and there's obviously a free bar, so I'm filling my boots left, right and centre. There was no TVs on the inside, so you didn't know what was going on outside. We've thought, oh, that'll do. It's about 20 minutes. That's about half time. We've come out and we've missed the first two tries of the second half because we've been down in Heineken's at the at the bar. So the best bits, the two tries that they got at the start of the second half, we'd missed them because we were inside still drinking. But um, that was maybe a reflection on me as an individual with Sean O'Brien that we just wanted to drink. Or B, the game in the first half was pretty bad. So, um, yeah. But I think Leon fully deserved it, didn't they? Jim, you described Leon's medical team as a bunch of clowns. Do you want to talk about that? I did. And it was to do with Nini Yashvili, who everyone is speaking about for the performance of his life. He was one of the best players on the pitch. The incident with Eben Etzebeth, which we can probably touch on, but that's where it came from. That incident with Etzebeth, where he's been absolutely banjoed. And in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor, but on this podcast, I am the doctor, PhD, per said Dave. Like, how is he not being brought off by the medical team? That, that's the question, isn't it? Well, it depends what you say. Are you saying he should have been brought off for a HIA or because he was injured? Brought off because he was knocked out. But this is the thing, though, right? I don't think he was. Well, Timo Andrew, I'm with you then. Timo Andy says he's watched it back. I was live in the stadium and I saw what happened. So Nini Ashvili has picked up 
Etzebeth, driven him back in a tackle, hell of a tackle, scooped one leg up, driven him back, put him down legally, but won the collision. So Etzebeth has obviously got up and seen this little Georgian 19-year-old winger has absolutely blitzed me in the tackle. He's absolutely having it. And, you know, there was a load of boos around the stadium. There's a load of noises around when you saw the contact. I don't reckon Etzebeth's done anything wrong because he hasn't made contact with his head. He's seen a bloke in the sort of vicinity of the breakdown. Niniashvili has worked ridiculously hard. He's dumped Etzebeth on his arse. He's then got up. And if you watch, Cheslin Colby stepped a defender. Niniashvili's chased Colby back, made the tackle. He's getting up in the tackle zone. And then, boom! You say getting up, Andrew. He was, I say, mildly on his bum. Um, and he was rising, I would say, as if he'd been on a diazepam. Not very quick. <laughs> and he has been absolutely monstered and I don't think that could have been anyone I don't think it was a, it was directly at Niniashvili it obviously was because of the tackle but that could have been the biggest player on the pitch and Etzebeth would have done the same now the talk is and I put the tweet out there and people are coming up at me because they think me and Evan Etzebeth are best mates now I thought it was a little bit horrible but I've done stuff like that on the pitch but the way that Niniashvili was and how long he stayed down for. Well, he came off. So he clearly was not in a good way. Yeah. And I just think for the questions or the doubts, if in doubt, as the saying goes, sit him out, take him off. And all of us watching that are in doubt that he's all right and he should have come off. I get it. But then you're saying what you're saying to them is he didn't get hit in the head, but you're then telling that he's probably got up himself. You watch the way he plays. He's 125% every time. So... I reckon that he's stayed down, obviously, because he's got absolutely blitzed by Etzebeth. But then there might be a, a language barrier between the French physio and he said, no, no, no. And the, he's, the Niniashvili's gone back to him, we, 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 I need a we, maybe. He said that, thinks it's okay to play on. But he's not been banged in the head, right? So you then can't necessarily take him off for a HIA unless the player or someone has seen clear head contact and they want to check it. So I don't know. It was definitely targeted because... Etzebeth has blitzed him in the back as he's getting up in the tackle zone off the back of him dumping him on his iris about three or four seconds before. But you get big man clean like little men in rocks a lot. I thought it was targeted, but legal. And you had Luke Pearce and the TMO who are well-placed and very good referees. So Eben Etzebeth's always going to get a hard time, isn't he? But don't speak about my mate like that. Otherwise, we'll <laughs> come and get you together. I don't know what I'll do. I'll just hide behind him. But like, <laughs> I'll put us together as a pair. Should we have a look ahead to the Premiership now then? The final round. Wasps, they need to beat Leicester away to make the top eight. But the Tigers looking to seal top spot. How's that one going, Goody? Yeah, looking forward to it. I'll be there pre-match. I might have a couple of special guests with me uh, in the build-up in the, um, we'll call it the Andy Good Suite at, at Leicester as well. But yeah, looking forward to it. I, can I see Wasps beating Leicester at home to try and make the top eight? No. Uh, and that's not a slight on Wasp at all. That's more of a situation of Leicester now. They've had last week off. I think they're still probably hurting a little bit from that Leinster quarterfinal. And they just know they need to go back to back to back now. Last Premiership game of the season. You know, Leicester are going to be fully charged. They've got this game on Saturday against Wasps. They need to win that to finish top of the log. You know, they're then into a semi-final at home. They already know they've got the home semi-final. It's just whether it's against Saints, Gloucester, or potentially Harlequins, depending on how this game goes this weekend. And then off the back of that, they hope to go to the final. So they're going to be fully focused, obviously disappointed with the Mexican in the Champions Cup against Leinster a few weeks back and, and the way they performed there. So I 
I, I struggle to see how Wasps can win because they've been inconsistent. They've got the ability to rock up and cause a bit of damage, but this Leicester team, are, the way they're playing, especially at home this year, are, are too good, aren't they? This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. And Northampton need to beat Newcastle at home just to finish the job and seal fourth place. Do you see any chance of the Falcons pulling off an upset here? No, I don't. If you go based on the season that we've seen, again, a little bit of frustration around Newcastle, really. Don't really understand what they're trying to do as a club, Goody. If I'm honest, obviously Dino's going up top. Dave Walder's taking the reins. You wonder what the appetite is at Newcastle. And I suppose going into the last game, how it looks on reflection. Oh God, I sound horrible saying it. Like they ain't going to finish bottom, are they? So <laughs> it's going to be between Bath and Worcester. So I, I want Newcastle to be better. I wanted... The Dino reign, and I think he did an incredible job there with kind of what he had at his disposal, but he's going to stay. I don't know. Dino for England is what I'm saying. Not based on the Newcastle, just what he did at Leicester and the fact that he was a legend to me. But technically, Falcons could finish bottom, Jim. Yeah, I, I'm going based on what I've seen from Worcester and Bath, and I ain't seeing, I ain't seeing anything else. But if you're talking about a, a barrel load of tries. No, all it would take is for Worcester to beat Bath. Bath get a losing bonus point. And Newcastle Falcons get absolutely nada from Saints. But basically, Northampton, if they put the boots on their right feet, they win that game. If they put their left boot on their right foot and their right boot on their left foot, 
they're still winning. They're still, they're still, <laughs> hey, even the opposite, they're still winning. But this is the thing, right? You talk about, you know, the last game of the Premiership season now, I've banged on about it. I'm an advocate for promotion and relegation. You look at the situation of what we saw in the Premier League football the other week. Relegation went down to the wire. The celebrations, the pandemonium around it. This weekend, Worcester Warriors, who are bottom of the league, are playing Bath, who are bottom but won the league. So 13th against 12th. Winner of that would stay up. Loser potentially goes down. Falcons, also going away to Saints, there's a chance they could have got relegated if there was relegation and promotion. And you talk about the top 14 and you know the French teams have dominated. There's promotion and relegation there. Now, what a weekend that would be, mm. the last game of the season, and 13th playing 12th. And that's what I just personally think. I think there needs to be relegation. I've said it here loads of times, but yeah, Northampton, just get your boots on the right way around and you're... You're beating them. Well, Gloucester are up against Saracens at King's Home this weekend and have to win and hope there is a slip-up from Saints. We can have a chat now with Gloucester second row, Freddie Clark. How are you, mate? Really good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Looking forward to it. Freddie, it's been a long time coming, mate. And we've had to knock down the doors of agents, of management at Gloucester <laughs> to get one of the star players on. So it's class to have you on. I, apparently, Ravo's telling me your phone's been going off the hook with people talking about contract negotiations. I know we've got a big game at the weekend. We'll come to that. How are you about that all? Because we are pushing you up there to the upper echelons and joking aside, your performances have been through the roof. Mate, you've been unbelievable. You've been like a press officer, mate. Um, <laughs> it's been class. I get mates who listen to this pod and I get sound little uh, sound bites every other week. And I'm like, maybe, yeah. So nothing's happening. Because what I did notice, and we, we were pushing for it on here, led by Jim, obviously, with his connections at Gloucester with Ray. George Skivington's got the new deal instead. I mean, what's happened there? Obviously, he deserves it. But he's got his one in first. Maybe this is your week, Freddie. <laughs> I know uh, Sam Raven. He knows way too much. He, he plays both sides very well, put it that way. He knows everything that's going on the players and everything that's going on sort of behind the desk. Yeah, he does. I actually sp speak to Ravo regularly about contract talks, but obviously it's confidential and these things you can't speak about. But he did tell me something which has made me backtrack a little bit. Matt, I thought you were 22. Mate, you're 30, <laughs> basically. You're nearly 40. You're nearly 40 years old. Hey, Bloomer, I've only got five years of pro rugby in me. I'm fine. My legs are fine. This is what I mean. I can't, I'd had no idea. I should have done my research. I just went on literally on face value. Mate, you look like a young assassin. I'll take that. Maybe not 30 yet, but we're pushing there. Always, Willie Hines told me you've got to shave a year off when you're young. So Absolutely. Uh, Freddie, how's it been going then? We'll get into a bit of rugby. And I think we can say this on here. We've been chatting. Goody had Gloucester as bottom of the table. Basically, we're going to get relegated this season. I meant Bath. I meant Bath. He meant Bath. <laughs> I kind of hoped, right, that you'd come good. There's been a lot of changes at Gloucester over the years. Some of it not great. Uh, and I think we get to a point now where George Skivington comes in and everyone's like, oh, have they taken the easy option? Have they taken the cheap option? Now, people who know rugby know that that isn't the case because of where George Skivington comes from. But we've spoken about on here. Maybe you can kind of tell us if you think the same within the camp. I think you've slightly overachieved this year. And that's a good thing in terms of what George has done and players like yourself playing at the level that you're playing at. What's it been like at Gloucester? Mate, the last sort of, it's, it's been class, you know. First day of pre-season, we certainly got an idea of what we we're going to do when Skibs has got tackle shields out on first day. Normally you're trotting around waiting for a fitness. <laughs> but mate, it's been great. He's a very meticulous coach. He's on it every week. In terms of the playing group, naturally, we look at last season, we knew we had to build and, and, and get better. But yeah, as the game's gone on, we started get a sort of week two, week three, sorry, we played Worcester away. That sort of kick-started our season. And we had a win on a purple patch. Obviously, it's been well, our set piece went well. We were able to get confidence through that. And 
it's a confidence game a lot of the time. And certainly we're a young team, but we just enjoy playing, mate. We just we just love playing. We put ourselves in a position to make top four. Obviously, it's all up to the end of the week. It's not in our hands anymore, but you know, we've got a great opportunity with a young set of lads. If we don't make it this year, then I think we've put the right step forward for the next season. Yeah, you certainly have. And humbly, I apologise for saying Gloucester were going to finish bottom of the Premiership. That was based on last year. That was based on Lance Bradley. But let's talk about George Skivington then, because like you said, what the success has been built on this year, this season has been the line-out drive that you've been integral to. And then you get to Twickenham and you're doing the swallow dive, not the line-out drive. What's happening there? That was an unbelievable finish. What were we going to call it? The Freddy Flop or... Freddy Flop, yeah, I saw it's been coming out. I mean, it's one of those things, obviously it's not planned. <laughs> but like, you know, if you get a, you're not going to get many run-ins, are you? So why not? Freddy, mate, if you're a 750 grand player, that's how you score trucks, mate. That's <laughs> yeah. how you finish your... Uh, oh, no, no. I'll be getting more than that. No, no, obviously it was... I mean, in terms of the concept of the game, it was an important try at the time. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you're not going to get many opportunities to run one in for 30 metres out. Jim said to me earlier, just around what he spoke to Ravo about, he said they've got up to 350 in the budget for you. So there's your there's your deal done. <laughs> yeah, probably spread over five years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as, hey, you're coming to the twilight ages, mate. I retired at 34. Not this about me, but I did put a year on it. Basically, Ravo's told me you're 31. And I was like, he's not. Let's just round it down to 30, but you're 29. That is shit sales yeah, yeah. ship from Gloucester. They're trying to belittle a guy that's not even 30 yet. Ray would think it's up saying you could do the nitty gritty and I'll do all the flashy stuff and make a hell of a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Ravo, my goodness me. We, we might be rolling the boots back out for Billy 12 Bags' testimonial. I've heard there might be a rumour that Skibs might even be having a trot, but... <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> mate, he's he's in decent shape as well. I mean, I'd say that compared to Ravo uh, <laughs> without, being, without being horrible. I keep looking down because Ludz has texted me, Skips has texted me and said, uh, ask him about his nickname, The Noodle, which to me... The noodle, a lot of people call me noodle arms, and I'm thinking that's a good thing, is it not? What does the noodle mean? I mean, of course, he's texted you. He's, he's playing off of each other, by the way, because he's told me to <laughs> a few things as well. <laughs> <laughs> noodle is literally either fucking three years ago, I did a backstop lob, backstep lob, and I couldn't stay straight in the air. I used to bend in the air. They used to call me a cook noodle. And then once I got it right, I'll just walk around saying I'm al dente. So it just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim's like a bag of sick when he went into the air and line outs, wasn't he? Hey, but I tell you what, that's where the value is. Like people, they they joke, they jest. The second rows who can put the ball like Freddie's just mentioned there by bending himself in half like a noodle, there ain't many that can do it. And that's why second rows notoriously get paid the most money. I don't know why, but they don't make them like... I'm, go I'm not going to put us in the same bracket, but us effectively, like big men. You've now gone from being known as Noodle to you're calling yourself the self-proclaimed al dente noodle, right? <laughs> I don't think I really want that to stick to I just don't want Noodle really, but if you want to go al dente noodle, I'll take that as a noodle. But more importantly, you said that Lewis Ludlam's text you to give Jim some shit, so uh, that's what we want to hear. Well, he, he just keeps mentioning him, asking if he was Gloucester captain, he never mentions it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ludz, I don't know if you know the story, he must have told everyone that when he was a young lad and I was Gloucester captain, we, were, we had a, a touch game or whatever, like 15 on 15, and I've made this unbelievable break. I am flying like an eagle. I've gone straight through Mr. Grills. I've gone around uh, James Simpson Daniel, and then this young lad... <laughs> As I've just passed, I've gone to double up, you know, like the scrum halves come on the inside pass. So I've passed. And as I'm chasing on the inside line, I just feel a tug on my shirt. It's little chief, little Lewis. He's about 15. And I swing, I swing. Handbag, if you can say that. It was a handbag back then because it was 2013, 2014. Didn't flinch. And I thought, this lad's going somewhere. And now look, he's captain. Mate, he absolutely loves the niggle. He loves a bit of niggle in training. How is he as captain? Mate, he's class. I'll, I'll bag him, but he's one of my ushers for my wedding, actually. But he's... um. 
he's an absolute warrior, mate. The way he sort of turns out week in, week out the, on Saturday. But honestly, his hard work's done in the week as well. He's tooting Carl Moon with the amount of tape he puts on. Uh, but, mate, he's, he's been class for us this season, especially last season when things weren't going great. He was a player backing up every week. And, yeah, he's been great for us. One of the things around Gloucester this season, we'll get into it, you're going for the top four. And I know it's an outside chance. We're hoping the Newcastle lads rock up and do it for Dino. I don't know how, but look, <laughs> it's any given game, isn't it? Anything can happen. You know, there could be a sending off. Who knows? You know, like Newcastle might might turn it on. Northampton might feel the pressure. How are you guys going into the game against Saracens? I was at the game. It was a tough game in the Challenge Cup, but you've gone well this season. How are you approaching this game? Is it just as obvious as it sounds? Just go out there and try and win it and see what happens. Obviously, had the week off last week, but we came in sort of Thursday, Friday. Um, we sort of spoke about you know, like you said, could be a red card, could be anything. But this week is literally, let's almost like worry about our own backyard. You know, let's put ourselves in the position so you have a chance. We owe Saracens one. They sort of comprehensively beat us at home, uh, out-energised us uh, in a lot of, in a lot of um, facets of the game. So, yeah, it's just going to be a normal normal training week. It's not sort of let off. You think we're doing a bit more touch games, a bit more skill games, but nah. Same day, we've got double units tomorrow, so bring it on. Is there any change in approach because it is essentially a knockout game? To be honest, the last few games for Gloucester have been knockout mindset. So we've sort of been looked at these last sort of four or five games for us as being crucial for us to, to get over the line. So yeah, nothing, nothing too much is changing for us. And just looking back on that game against Saracens where physically they were pretty dominant, weren't they? Just give us a quick snippet into, you know, we hear all this stuff around Jim and I have both been there. I avoided contact like the plague when I trained as well as when I played, but... How do you get yourself mentally and physically ready in the week, knowing that physical challenge is coming, knowing that a few weeks ago Saracens were the physically dominant team? How much bone on bone are you doing this week to get yourselves ready? And is there a case of doing too much or too little? Element of that, I think what we've done, we're big on the team that, you know, trust the task down process. We say that a lot of the time, and I think that's the same with our training. Malls, we hit the same amount of malls as we do every week. You can say it's too many, but you're on, when your body comes used to it, you come battle-hardened. And we know how important it is for our games. So... 15 on 15, done pretty good. When it does start to get a little bit tasty, the, the whistle might blow maybe a, a phase or two earlier than it should do. But, you know, that's good. Our guys who aren't playing at the weekend all year, they've been absolutely living class. They're probably the best at stopping our mall that we've faced all season. Tell me, Lewis Rees-Summit has been brought down to earth from coming back from Monaco and he's been thrown into some of the malls or not. <laughs> he was rubbing shoulders with Vincent Monaco. Unbelievable. I just didn't have a spoke <laughs> But yeah, mate, he's on, he's on a different level at the moment. He's changed his hairdo. He's, he's now a model. He's got a new clothing line coming out. He's different level. Did you see his shoes or not? I mean... <laughs> They're loafers. They, yeah, of course they were. They were like these suede things. I was like, that ain't Gloucester. <laughs> <laughs> All those kids are really into like, how they look and stuff. So, yes. But... <laughs> Hey, I love how he says kids. Hey, hey we're, trying to make, we're trying to sort you out. You're coming into yeah. your prime. You've got years left, Freddie. <laughs> yeah. I'm not selling myself. All right, Freddie. Hey, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. And best of luck against Saracens this weekend. Class. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Freddie, class for coming on. Good luck this weekend, mate. Genuinely mean that. Good, man. Go for it. Cheers, guys. Cheers, pal. Top lad. Top lad. Yeah, he is. He is. A hell of a season. And being shoved up from back row to second row. That's why I asked him, because he is... The new age of second rows isn't... Lummox like yourself, Jim, where you couldn't run around and it was just malls and hitting rocks. It was like proper ball players now, isn't it? And he's a hell of a ball player as well. Well, the thing is, that could maybe come across and what we've spoken about recent weeks and look, I'm close to a lot of the Gloucester guys, my best mate's the team manager there. If trying to get him a big contract, it's almost a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it ain't tongue-in-cheek when you look at the players and how much they get paid, right? And the second row is the top of that list. And it ain't a joke when we're saying that he's carving up because he is carving up. And he's yeah. doing standout things in standout games. And that comes at 
a value. <laughs> you know, that comes at a price. And we're not saying that he should be getting this, he should be getting that. It's just that we're acknowledging that he's a fantastic player. And Ravo, he is grossly underpaid. And Adidas and Nike, we can maybe broker something as well because that dive was unbelievable. Yeah, he should be on 350. That's what I'm saying, at least. Jim, where do your loyalties lie for that game? Well, Saracens are already qualified, aren't they? And if you go based on my commentary of that game, people think that I'm Saracens till I die. Well, I nearly did at the end of my career because that's where I finished <laughs> on my back. But this is about Gloucester and Northampton. And as much as I'd like Northampton, big shout out to Tom Wood, who's retiring. Uh, he, yeah. He's a good lad as well. That's it. That's as far as my association goes. Like Sam Vesti, up until when he picked his nose and ate it, the, the association was there with him, but it isn't anymore. My loyalties lie with Gloucester. And it's going to be a tough task for them, obviously. One, to, to try and beat Saracens, but also on the other side of the Midlands, if you can call it that, southwest, northeast, southeast. I mean, bloody, forget it. Northampton, which is the only good thing about Northampton is an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. It's going to be tough for Newcastle, isn't it? So I want Gloucester to do well. They've had a good season regardless of what what's happened, and they've got a lot of good people involved in that club. All I want to see from the weekend's games, they're all kicking off at the same time, and obviously the crux of the matter is... Yeah, there's, there's two things, obviously, who's going to finish in the top eight, but more importantly, who's getting that fourth spot. Now, we laughed about it on here a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Northampton, I think they've just been practising putting their boots on this week because that's all they probably need to do to beat Newcastle. <laughs> uh, but you think back to the Premiership football last day of the season where you've got Villa beating Man City up at Man City and you've got Wolves actually beating Liverpool at one point. Anything can happen, right? And doing it for Dino... I'd love to see it go down to the wire for some exciting TV to know that ultimately Gloucester, can they dish it up to Saracens? Saracens are going there full noise. They've got the semi-final the week after. They've had last week off. It's going to be a mammoth task for them, but they can only control what they can control. And unfortunately for them, one of the worst teams in the Prem at the minute in Newcastle are going to their rivals away from home. And they've already booked their holidays, the Newcastle boys, and they've probably got the fact 50 on and going straight to the plane, aren't they? It's a good job Michael Holford ain't playing for Northampton because him even putting his boots on, he's putting them on the wrong feet. And <laughs> he's putting them on his hands as well. So good job he's not playing. So they've got a chance, is what we're saying. Let's have a look at the URC final eight then. Who's going through? Let's have a look. Ulster, Munster. Start with that one. What do you reckon, lads? Ulster. Oh, harder than that to call, Andrew. But... Oh, do I go with Owigsville or do I go with Ulster? I'm going to go Ulster as well, just based on home advantage. Bulls, Sharks. Tough one. Big rivals played in this game. Not in the URC, in Super Rugby. And for all the millions of listeners, they really don't like each other, the Bulls and the Sharks. I don't know. Bulls at home, Loftus. I'm going to say the Bulls. Yeah, I'm going to say the Bulls as well. Sharks been on and off this season. I'm not really bothered about this one, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> completely honest. But... You know, I reckon Sharks just have been a bit inconsistent. Balls at home, like Goody said at Loftus, uh, big South African derby. Great to see, actually. I feel a bit harsh saying that, that I'm not that bothered. I'm bothered that the South African teams are in, but whoever wins that, it doesn't affect my mindset waking up the next day. Have Glasgow seen anything from La Rochelle that they could use against Leinster to give them a hope? No, they haven't. They've seen stuff. Of course they have. They've seen big Willie Skelton manhandling people. They've seen out of blitz up in defence and try and stop their attack. I just feel this could be 70 points. Leinster are going to be absolutely raging and basically Glasgow are going to get the message. I reckon it might be closer than you think. I reckon there could be a hangover from Leinster in terms of emotionally. And again, I don't know where that 
is being based from. I'm trying to get something out from Glasgow who've done well this season. And I, I say that, I know they finished eighth. Obviously, it doesn't look amazing on there, but I, I've enjoyed watching Glasgow this season. But like you said, they ain't going to win. But I think it might be closer than you think. Well, I hope it is. I'm mates with a few of the Glasgow lads. Always Edinburgh against the Stormers over there at DHL Stadium. Yeah, I reckon they got a chance. And I know that's really? ridiculous. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you got to think Edinburgh beat the Sharks in South Africa comfortably. And it was absolutely hosing it done. They drew with the Stormers at home as well at the start of the season. They play a similar style of rugby. So the kind of physical aspect of the route one is still there to a degree from the Stormers. But I think that Edinburgh... Matt, I reckon they might nick it. <laughs> Loyalty is blind. Yeah, it is. This is classic Scottish rugby coming out, you know. <laughs> Start of every Six Nations, I think this is our year we're going to win it. Andrew, let's not get into that. England need to sort themselves out. <laughs> Edinburgh going to the Stormers. Yeah, I think we've got a chance. You're going to take 50, boys. I'm back. I'll tell you now, it's not going to be 50. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. We're going to start off over in Japan with the Panasonic World Knights. They became Japan's League One champions at the weekend after their 18-12 victory over Tokyo Sungoliath. Uh, and they sent your old mate, Jim. He, he wins again. George Cruz retiring at the end of the season. They've sent him out on a high. Is he, though? Is he retiring or is he coming back to Saracens? Ah, uh, I don't know. I can't see him retiring, but he embarrassed himself with the celebrations. Did you see him trying to get in the middle? Like he was trying to get them all to sit down and they're all looking at him being like, but we want to stand up. And he's trying to get them to sit down. <laughs> I was like, Cruzo, mate, you are not the party animal. You're not the the judge, the jury or the prosecution, mate. Just sit down and put your medal on and come home and sign for Exeter. Uh, he was, <laughs> I don't think he'd do that. He was basically trying to get them to sing Tiki Tiki Tonga, wasn't he? I think he was, I think. And they were like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> So that's a good start. Anyway, uh, what else was good this week? A massive shout out, Jim mentioned him earlier, to Tom Wood, uh, another Kovskin. He's announced his retirement from rugby, which isn't good, obviously, but he's had a hell of a career. So uh, massive shout out to Tom Wood. The old Woodlands boy did pretty well, didn't he, Jim? Yeah, he did, mate. Proper player. Great stuff, Woody. What else was good? David Niniashvili. We spoke about him just before, how good he was. Uh, well, here's some stats for him from the game at the weekend. Eight carries. 173 metres gained, 10 defenders beaten. He put Ebenezer on his arse and then he got his ribs put through his own arse in the next minute with a clear out from Ebenezer. So, uh, yeah, he played really well. Then he asked Philly, apart from the try that never was. Would you have blitzed him as well, Jim, or not? No, but I would have scored that try, I reckon. Yeah, definitely would have. Definitely would have. Uh, his team, obviously, Leon, they get a mention the good this week. It might not have been the best game, but a first ever European title and a deserved 30 points to 12 win over Toulon to lift the Challenge Cup. Josh van der Fleer gets a mention in the good this week. We mentioned him earlier, uh, European Player of the Year. He's had a hell of a season, fully deserved his medal, even though Jim said that he gave one of the crucial penalties away for being offside three metres out from the line. Why be an horrible, Jim, when he's just won the medal? Hey, I can't speak about penalties or medals. Well, I can on both, actually. You can. So, obviously, Josh van der Fleer gets a mention, but uh, the good this week can only go to one man and his team. And that is the legend, Ronan O'Gara. It was a huge game for him up against Leinster, his old rivals, Johnny Sexton, his old rival. 
and he got it spot on. Big Willie Skelton was massive. He was back from a calf injury. He made seven tackles, 17 big, massive carries, and a few manhandlings of Leinster players at the Ruck. Uh, but Ron O'Gara, just forgive me a hug after they'd won it. The high five, the hug, I must have absolutely stank of Heineken. But Larochelle and Ron O'Gara and Will Skelton, they all get the good this week. Hell of a victory. Their first ever victory in the Champions Cup. They lost the final last year. They bounced back this year. And then the celebrations in the port of La Rochelle were absolutely ridiculous. So they get the good this week. Do you think he's far away from coaching internationally? He can walk into a job whenever he wants, I reckon. Next Lions coach. Oh, Jim. There you go. Mate, story for another day. Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, the bad, few bits of bad. We mentioned him in the good. David Niniashvili's slip of the left leg over the dead ball line. Thankfully, it didn't cost Leon, but um, wasn't great when you're over the line. Just get the ball down some. Hell of a player, though. Uh, Toulon, they get mentioned the bad this week. They've been really good in recent months. They've got themselves off the bottom of the top 14. They've been in the bad a few times, but I think they just thought they could rock up for the final and dish it out to Leon and win comfortably, and they didn't happen. So, um, Toulon, you're going to get the bad this week. Ugly. Only one bit of ugly this week, and it comes from your team, Andy Rowe. Ah. The Blue... No, the Crusaders is your team, isn't it, Andy Rowe? <laughs> the Crusaders is my team. What have they done? It is. Well, Pablo Matera, Argentinian skipper... Hell of a player, absolute unit of a bloke. If everyone had a look at the game, he lifted up the leg of Jordan Pattaya and dumped him. I thought it was on his head. They said it was on his back. But the way he's picked him up and speared him into the ground, he should have definitely been sent off. But Ben O'Keefe, not so much, just gave him a yellow card. So super rugby. Anyone that lifts a player like that and then just lobs them on their head should be a red card every time. So Pablo Matera, you get the ugly this week. All right, well, should we get into some shout-outs then? Yeah, I've got a big shout-out to Ofa Ladies team. Hopefully, I've said the name correctly. From County Antrim, the land of my father's. It's not. It's the land where my sister was born. But essentially, a second home for me. And they won the league undefeated in their first year of playing. So, ladies, big congratulations. I love the way you worried about the pronunciation when you lived there and it was basically your second home, you called it. I know, exactly. Well, that's a multilingual. There's a lot going on. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, and a massive shout out as well to Andrew Reynolds and his better half, Danielle. They're doing the ultra trail run around Newcastle and Gateshead for the Orchid Cancer Appeal and their family friend, Darcy, who's raising money for the treatment. Uh, good luck, guys. Tell the chafe that in the morning. But um, yeah, I hope you go exceptionally well and raise a boatload of money for a very important cause. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to you guys. And I've got a final good luck and a final shout out to Berwick RFC on their promotion to the Scottish National League 2 and Gareth Hill, who's retiring after 350 games for the club. So Gareth and Berwick, congratulations. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rippy Spot. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect.
somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.